Don't get scared. We're on Facebook Live. Okay. So, I saw today a letter of the Rebbe, which is incredible in expressing the idea of how deeply you have to trust in Hashem. This is really incredible. This guy writes to the Rebbe about the following predicament. The predicament is that his father had passed away, and uh, he, he offered to pay for the funeral, and none of his siblings could pay for it. He has to pay for it. And he lives in the city where there's no minion, and he can't say Kaddish. So he asked the Rebbe, what should he do? One option is to move to another, to, to another city where he could, he'll be able to say Kaddish. And then his father, not, not his brothers were saying Kaddish too, but if he moves to this city, he'll be able to go to a minion, he'll be able to say Kaddish. The only thing is, is that if he moves to this city, he won't have a job. Small problem, right? So what should he do? But even though he's ready to try that out, but he's saying, well, I offered to pay for the funeral, and I haven't paid for it yet, so wouldn't it be better for me to stay and have my job and honor my father this way by paying for the funeral instead of leaving and and uh, and then not being able to pay for the funeral? And that's his predicament. Mm-hmm. So he responds like this. First of all, everybody says that, well, first of all, your brothers are saying Kaddish. Second of all, you could hire someone to say Kaddish. And so you could stay where you are and, and uh, continue your job and, and just... Uh, You'll hire someone, and, and, and someone else will say Kaddish. And never adds these words. He says, all of this I write to you, because I don't know your measure of trust in Hashem. I don't know how much you trust in Hashem. I don't know how, how strong you are in trusting in God, and how sincere you are. Because if I did know that, then I would tell you to go to the other city, move there, and God will give you Parnassah there. That's what writes to him. It's unbelievable. He says, there is, there, is a, there is a way out. You don't have to move to the other city. But if I knew how trust, if you're able to like have a tr- strong measure of trust in God, which means that you know, you, you, a week goes by, two weeks go by, you don't have your paycheck, and you're still feeling okay. You still feel like these things are going to be all right. Then everybody says, then, then, then you don't have to worry about moving to the other city and, and going without a job. Because Hashem will find another job for you. So I thought that was incredible because uh, usually, you know, the Torah says don't bring yourself to a situation of, of a test and uh, don't lie in a miracle. He just tells him, well, if you have trust in Hashem, then I would tell you to go and, and, and Hashem will help you find Pranasa wherever you go. So the question that I want to discuss tonight is, is it hocus pocus? If you trust in Hashem, then whatever you trust is going to happen. Like if you, my kids are very into football and the Super Bowl and who's going to win. So they trust that the Patriots are going to win, then they're going to win. Are they still in it, the Patriots? They're out already? They need a lot. Okay, anyway, so, 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 so is, is that how it works? You just, just whatever you trust, that's what's going to happen? How, how does that work? And number question number two is, how does, that even, how does trust in Hashem work? What is it based on? What is it based on? Why should you trust in Hashem? First of all, is it hocus pocus? God like works for you? Whatever you want to trust, He's going to do for you? And uh, what is, I mean, we all know there's a concept of, of consequences and, and rewards and uh, Hashem responds to our actions. So what is this whole concept of just trusting in Hashem? How, how does that work? So this is relevant this week because this week we are reading uh, the Parshas Haman, 
reading the story of how Hashem provided for the Jewish people when we were in the desert, and He brought us the man, the man bread from, from heaven. There was this woman whose husband died, and, uh, and the people of the community came to her home, and it's in Europe, and they're trying to figure out what the plan is. Her husband will die, what they're going to do. So she says, I have a man, and Yiddish, a man is a husband. Well, what do you mean you have a husband? Uh, all right. And they leave, and they're like, what does she mean? Her husband just died. What, what is she, she's, she's gone crazy. I have a man. She doesn't have a man. So she's, so they ask her, what do you mean? She says, it says in Gemara, man, man means the one. The one who gives life gives pranasa. I have a man means I have, I believe in that statement of the Gemara. I have a man. The man is the one who gives life, gives pranasa, so I'll be okay. But isn't it like the one, the story of the person on the rooftop who's, you know, trying to get away from the water and then Hashem sends a boat, a helicopter? So, like, those people who are saying, like, what, what could we do? Let's all brainstorm. She's like, don't worry. So, isn't she pushing people away? You're you're absolutely right. There's, there's there's two halves of the two parts of the coin. One part of the coin is Hashem sends many messengers, and she was pushing away the messengers. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, mm-hmm. it's not the messengers that make it happen. So 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 you have to have both parts of the coin. On the one hand, you have to trust in Hashem. On the other hand, you also have to do what you can. So I want I want to focus on on the trusting in Hashem part. You're right. You have to do. You have to. You have, you, have, you have to make an effort too. You have to take a vessel for God's blessing. But but the, the the more that's that's the more obvious thing we have to do. The thing that's just a little less obvious and a little more abstract is that to have that feeling of. But you don't have to have both. You have to have both. Okay. So this week it's very relevant because we're talking about the we're reading about the the man actually in the chita. So tomorrow we read about the man that fell from the sky that fed the Jewish people for forty years in the desert. Why does man have to do with bitachon? The many miracles happened to the Jewish people throughout us travel, throughout our journey in the desert. Many, many miracles. We don't find that there were any commemorations for the various miracles. Um, when Yehoshua made the the uh, sun stop its movement, we don't have any commemoration. We don't do anything to commemorate that. It's a miracle happened once, and that was it. Many, many miracles have happened. We don't have. Um, um, you know, we bring frogs into our house and do all kinds of uh, lice or grasshoppers. We don't have anything that we do on a regular basis. Uh, um, okay. Um, so, but we do have something to commemorate the man. And not only do we also commemorate the man, we commemorate the man very often. How do we commemorate the man? So, it says in the Torah, in describing the man, the Torah uses the word hayom. Today, God will send you uh, bread from heaven. Uh, on Shabbos, you don't have to go and gather the man. Today, you will not find it in the field, because today is Shabbos. So it says in the word the Torah, the word Hayom, three times. So from the word Hayom, we learn out that you have to have three meals on Shabbos. Since the Torah says the word today three times, the Talmud learns out that you have to eat three meals on Shabbos. What are you supposed to have at those meals? So it's again we learn from the man. Just like by the man, God brought two portions of man on Friday. So too, we have to have two kinds of, two loaves of bread, two chalas on Shabbos, because to commemorate the two kinds of uh, bread, that two um, portions mm-hmm. of man mm-hmm. that fell on, on Friday. 
So how does it, what does the man have to do with trusting in Hashem? Well, first of all, there's a couple of things we know about the man, the miraculous nature of the man. Number one is that um, the man, one miracle we know, we're all familiar with how the man had any taste he wanted, you could taste in the man, whatever you wanted the man to taste like. And also the man was very uh, tailor-made to each person. The tzaddikim is the man fell on the doorstep. People who weren't such tzaddikim, they had to like go down the block to get the man. People which were really off, they had to go farther away and go to the edge of the camp to get the man. Uh, also, the way the way that the man came to your door was different. If you were a tzaddik, it was already baked and already to be eaten. If you weren't such a tzaddik, you had to grind it and to bake it, and it wasn't 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 already to eat. Is that fair, huh? Yeah. So, so it was, it was, another interesting thing happened. The man was like this. Let's say you went outside. And you went to gather the man. And you wanted to get a lot of man because your family needs a lot, lots of man. So what happened? What happened would be is that when you got home, it would just shrink. Everyone would come home with the same amount of man. Although you would go and gather lots of man, or gather a little bit of man, whatever you gathered it didn't matter if you gathered too little, it would grow to the amount you needed. If you gathered a lot, it would shrink. You never could gather more or less of it. It always was the same amount every single day. Um, so many people have a custom to say the portion of Torah about the man every day. Some people say that, that Torah portion of tomorrow, of the tomorrow's Chumash, is it every day as a skula, as a blessing to have trust in Hashem and, and a skula to bring parnasa. The Tzemach Tzedek mentions it, that people should say it sometimes. Uh, he doesn't say you have to say it, but he, says that he mentions this custom, that it's a good thing to do, uh, to say it sometimes to strengthen the... I saw this Polish Shasefer, this, this rabbi writes, that he says people say it and it doesn't work. So why, why isn't it work? It's because they say it, but they don't mean it. It's not just, the point is not, not just to say the parasha of the man. The point is to feel like the parasha of the man. What is the point of, of the parasha of the man? What, is, what does it tell us? What, it, it, there was a, one unusual thing that happened with the man. The man would, would, after 12 hours, it would get very wormy. If you left it overnight, all of a sudden it would get very wormy. You couldn't leave it over for the next day. What was the point of that? point that was is that every day when the kids would go to sleep at night, they would say, Mom, what's for dinner tomorrow? The kid, well, we don't see anything in the fridge. We don't see anything in the cabinet. What, what are we going to eat tomorrow? So the mom should say, don't worry. God's going to send us money again tomorrow. So by 40 years of them constantly relying on Hashem every single day, that in, inculcated in them that sense that we could rely on Hashem. And that's also why on Friday, uh, it worked differently. On Friday, Hashem had a different system, which was that on that day, a double portion fell, and they were, when Hashem said that you could leave it over for the next day, so they left it over the next day. And then miraculously, it did not get wormy. But otherwise, after 12 hours, it would get wormy. So the, per, the point of this whole thing was, so that everyone should always have that sense that Hashem is providing for us. Hashem didn't want them to become complacent and feel that they're independent, they don't need God, that every day, God gave them exactly what they needed for that day. And that's the, that's the um, uh, truth today also. There's a beautiful t- teaching from the Chernobyl Tzaddik. Chernobyl uh, Rebbe, he writes that, says in the Torah that you should take the man and put the man in the basket. So what does that mean spiritually, put the man in the basket? He has an amazing thing. He says, the man came from heaven. And today, we don't have man. But... God does provide for us, mm-hmm. just as it's, in, it's a different container. So he says the idea of putting the man in the basket means that you should feel whatever you're getting is really man. You're looking, you see oranges, you see cookies, you see uh, seltzer, 
you should realize this, these are just baskets, they're just containers for God's, God's bracha. It's not different than the man. That's also why uh, the bracha that we say after we eat, the bracha of Hazan HaSa'on Kulo, that bracha, is, was written by Moshe Rabbeinu, and it was written for saying, that bracha was instituted for eating the man. After you ate the man, you said that bracha. So even though you're eating something else, you're not eating man, you're eating bread from the earth, not bread from heaven, but you say the same bracha because it's the same thing. It's just a different container. So one of them has, uh, has had, when the man came, there was dew on the bottom and dew on the top, and so too, that's why the challah has to be covering, be covered by a challah decal and has to be a tablecloth underneath it to commemorate the dew that covered the man. So today, instead of having, um, instead of having that that container like the man came in, we have this bag, this Schwartz in it, Schwartz is on it, or uh, elite, or if you make it at home or whatever. So it, it's a different container, but it's the same thing. So the whole point of Hashem making this whole thing happen was just to give us that feeling every day. We know that we have to trust in Hashem, that He's taking care of us. And uh, that's, that's uh, true today too. The Torah says, if you'll keep my mitzvahs, God says, you do what you have to do. And then Hashem says, I'll do what I have to do. I'll give you, the rain in, I'll give you your rain in its season. You do the mitzvahs, you do what you have to do. Hashem says, I'll do what I have to do. In the, Yom Yom, in the fifth of Thomas, the, um, the Rebbe writes that uh, there was this guy who came to the Alter Rebbe, and the Alter Rebbe asked him, what's going on? How are you doing? And he told the Alter Rebbe that he's having a very hard time. So the Alter Rebbe said to him, you are talking about what you need. What you're needed for, you don't mention. You take care of what you need to do. You're needed, the Alter Rebbe said, you're needed to give light to your surroundings with Torah and prayer. You do what you need to do. It sounds like JFK, right? As the Alter Rebbe said to him, you're asking what you need, but you're not asking what you needed for. What you, you're asking only what you need. If you do what you're needed for, which is to give light to your surroundings with Torah and prayer, then God will give you, God will do what he, what he needs to do. You do what you need to do, and God will do what he needs to do. So, it's like a, a father who gives his kid a uh, $10 for lunch. kid needs $50 for the week for lunch. But he gives him $10 for today, $10 for tomorrow. Why does he do that? Because he wants the kid to always think, think about his father and to rely on his father. So, that's the message of the man that we should trust in Hashem. But, how much? For what? And what is it based on? You always should trust in Hashem on every single thing that Hashem is going to give you exactly what you want. Whatever, it's, it's hocus pocus. God works for you. That whatever you want, he's going to do. How does this work exactly? Who do you want to win the Super Bowl, anyways? Okay, fine. Because I'm making sure. So, because I don't want to, you know, waste my betachan on that if someone else has. Okay. So, what, how does it work? So, there's actually two opinions in Jew, among Jewish philosophers. One opinion is that it works like this. Reb Shimba Yochai, when he was being chased after by the Romans, famously he hides in a cave for twelve years. And he comes out of the cave, he wasn't sure to leave the cave or not, and he sees a archer who's trying to, to kill birds. And the archer shoots at a bird, and I'm sorry, he puts a net out. And, and some birds manage to escape, some birds don't, can't escape, and Rav Yochai hears a voice from heaven. Every time a bird escapes, he hears the word rachamim, mercy. Every time he hears the words uh, onesh, the opposite of mercy, the bird is caught. So he realizes that there is a hand that is deciding whether he'll be caught or not. The previous Rebbe, there was, amazingly, there were some boys, I, I, uh, one of my Rosh Hashivas, Rabbi Greenberg, he went back into Europe during World War II to see the Friedrich Rebbe. 
And when they got there, <laughs> they had to escape back. And they came to the previous Rebbe before they went, when they departed back to America, after they traveled to Europe during the war to see the Rebbe. It's an amazing story. But in short, they came to the Rebbe, what should we do? There's bombs flying, falling down everywhere. The previous Rebbe said, every bomb is, has its address. No bomb will get So that's what the... Uh, that's, that's the idea of one opinion among Jewish philosophers that trust in Hashem means to be calm. Rabbi Shimon Yochai wasn't told that you're going to be okay. He was just told that he just got the message that, 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 that there is an address for everything. There's, there, there, he's in good hands. What's going to happen to him, doesn't know. But he knows whatever's going to happen to him has nothing to, nothing to do with the Romans, nothing to do with, with people chasing after him, only has to do with God. So therefore, the one opinion about trust in Hashem means to be calm, to feel you're in God's hands. And since you're in God's hands, it's going to be, whatever's going to be is, 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 is for the good. So the first opinion about trusting in Hashem is about being calm, being relaxed. It's not about being happy. It's just about being relaxed. It's not saying things are going to be great. not saying things are going to be wonderful. It's just that whatever is going to happen is, is the way Hashem wants it to happen. But there's no joy there. But there is another opinion. This is the opinion of other Rishonim, and the Tzemach Tzedek says famously, think good, and it will be good. The other opinion is uh, mentioned in Chovas Levavas, uh, but the conclusion of Chovas Levavas is also like the Tzemach Tzedek. The, the, the Tzemach Tzedek says that you should think good and it will be good. What, what, what does that mean? That means not that you, should, that you should think that Hashem knows what He's doing, but you should actually think that things are going to be good in a way that you could see with your eyes are going to be good. That's what Bitaka means. So the question though is, why? On what basis is that? On what basis are you, are you trusting things are going to be so good? What guarantee do you have that things are going to be good? So, am I following so far? Mm-hmm. So the answer is like this. It's basically measure for measure. Rabbi Angielfi from Leeds, England, he, uh, he was, he, I, I think, I'm not sure if it was a shul or his chabarat, I think his chabarat was but later. Uh, Rabbi Shmuel Lu said that he asked the Rabbi for a bracha for him because he wanted to expand his center and there was this tree there that was like two centuries old and there was no way that the... Uh, English version of the uh, what's it called HPOZ or whatever the name is. There's no version the way that they were going to allow him to 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 make his shul bigger, knock down that tree. So he asked Rebbe bracha. So Rebbe said, "Is it a fruit bearing tree?" And Halacha says you're not allowed to uproot a fruit a fruit bearing tree unless is unless you put it somewhere else. So Rebbe said, "Is it a fruit bearing tree?" So he said, "No." So Rebbe said, "So it'll be taken down tomorrow." The next day there's a hurricane. That tree is the only tree that. That, that they know of that, that went down that day and uh, automatically there's no problem to expand the uh, their center. Yeah, it's... Uh, okay, so... Rabbi Angielfi from Leeds, England. What would happen if you didn't ask the question? Okay, so... so, so uh, we're going to see about... Ask which questions we ask. It's important what kind of questions we ask. I'll tell you a story about that in a second. But before we do, the idea is of Bitachin, of the Tzemach Tzedek, is measure for measure. It's not that that's hocus pocus. Is that measure? It's measure for measure. The Baal Shem Tev said these words. We say in davening, in benching, 
And the last words of Enching are, triple points, if you know. The last, last, last? The last, last thing we say. Something about the thing. Very pretty good. No, no, no. Miftachin. Miftachin, right. Right, very good. The last line of Enching is, Baruch HaGever Hashem Miftachin. Blessed is a person that trusts in Hashem, and Hashem is his security. Blessed is a person who trusts in Hashem, and Hashem is his security. Now, if you're trusting in Hashem, Hashem is your security. It's a double expression, it's redundant. Blessed is a person who trusts in Hashem, and Hashem is his security. If you're trusting in Hashem, Hashem is your security. What's your security? You're trusting in Hashem. This rabbi is talking to his students, and they're in the forest, and the uh, rabbi says, you know, trusting in Hashem means that even if a bear comes out, you don't, you know, you don't flinch because you know Hashem's watching over you. And a bear comes out, and the rabbi jumps up the tree, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, <laughs> he's he's holding his breath so nothing can happen. So, so the bear doesn't notice him, and then then he comes down, and the bear goes away. They're like, Rabbi, didn't you just say betachin uh, means to trust in Hashem that you won't you won't be scared at all? He says, Yeah, there's betachin, and there is in in the Hebrew goes very lieter betachon, which means which means for your, more security. For extra security, it's better to, uh, to to jump in the tree. Anyway, so so um, so the word bitachon, the word the words we say in benching, blessed the person who trusts in Hashem. Baal Shem, that says that means you believe that nothing else besides Hashem is what determines what happens next. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. One second, one second, one second. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. You believe that nothing else besides mm-hmm. Hashem that this determines what happens next. That's the meaning of trusting in Hashem. That you believe, you lean on Hashem, you say, I know, I am trusting in you and you alone, that, you're, that you are determining what's happening next. Nature doesn't mean anything, the Romans don't mean anything, the uh, financial broad forecast doesn't mean anything. Nothing means anything, only you determine what happens next. The next line is, and Hashem is his security, that means, not only does everything, that what's happening next come from Hashem, but Hashem also finds the appropriate channel to send it to them. This channel to send that blessing in. In other words, not only do things come from Hashem, but Hashem finds the way to give it to you. You might say, well, it's all coming from Hashem, and now let me figure out how to get it. Well, I don't know if I'm going to find I don't know if I could figure out how to get it. I might not know the right means of getting that bracha from Hashem. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? So He wants to send it to me, but I have to figure out how to get it. So I can't figure out how to get it. So Hoya Hashem Tachim means Shantav says, not only does Hashem provide the blessing, He also provides you with the means, the vessel to get the blessing. He also tells you how to get it. He also will show you the he'll open the right door and give you the right idea to get get that blessing. You don't have to worry about anything. He's gonna give you the blessing and he's gonna give you the means to get the blessing. Whether that means you're you do this profession, that profession, this person you have to meet, that person you have to meet, whatever it is, it's all something he has to take care of. It's all him. Okay, so the idea of measure for measure means that when a Jew has that paradigm, that he leans on God and he says, I'm trusting in you, Hashem, and I believe only in you deeply, truthfully, in the depth of his neshama, he doesn't make any count, he lifts himself up a little bit from the here and now, and he believes it's only God going to determine what's happening next, and the nature means nothing. So Hashem responds to that. Hashem responds to a person leaning on Hashem. So it arouses God's mercy. And Hashem wants to respond, Hashem wants to give you what, 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 you, what you are trusting in Him for. When your Jew says, and the Baal Shem Tev once heard two of his students talking, one said to the other, God will for sure help. 
Shmuel Shem Tov was very excited about this. He said that when a Jew says, God will for sure help, that itself causes a great salvation to so many people. So it's, it's that feeling itself, that you feel it's for sure going to be good, and Hashem won't let you down, causes Hashem not to want to let you down. It's measure for measure. Just like you're not making calculations. It might be that you deserve something, and, and it might be that you're supposed to get whatever, whatever. But you don't make a calculation if you deserve or you don't deserve. You just say, I trust in Hashem will for sure help me. And, you, and that itself, that you don't make any calculations, causes Hashem not to make any calculations either. So this is what you find also earlier on in the Torah about Moshe Rabbeinu. This, in the, in this, in the, in, uh, two weeks ago we read in Chumash about how Moshe Rabbeinu sees these two Jews fighting, they're fighting with each other, and Moshe tells them to stop fighting, and one says to the other, Oh, tells Moshe, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Who are those two Jews fighting? They were Dawson and Aviram. Whenever Moshe and Aaron came, they were always against them. They always, whatever they tried to do, they tried to mess up. So Moshe said, oh, these guys know. And for sure the Pharaoh, for sure Pharaoh is going to know. And next Pasuk says, boom, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh hears. What's a connection? The Rebbe says it's connected. Because Moshe was afraid, that's why a Pharaoh heard. Huh? Did he make it happen? He made it happen. By him being afraid, had he not been afraid, the Pharaoh would never heard. So because he was afraid, that's, that's what made it happen. So conversely, if we don't let that thought overtake us, and we are besimcha, we were joyful, we know for sure Hashem will answer us, that itself caused Hashem to have mercy on us and to respond to us and to give us what we're, what we're trusting Hashem to, to, uh, to have. It's kind of like Nachshom and Aminadav. He's by the ocean, by the Reed Sea. And before God created the world, He made a condition with the Ured Sea, with the Yamsuf, and he said, I'm only going to create you on condition that when the Jews come, you're going to split. But in order for the Yamsuf to split, Nachshon had to go jump in there. Nachshon had to say, well, I'm doing this, and, I'm, and, he, and to go all the way. It wasn't enough just that Hashem made that condition. In order to reveal that in the world, Nachshon had to go all the way, had to jump into the sea. So similarly, we have to trust in Hashem when we don't see any way out, even though Hashem had that plan in the, in the first place. The plan is that this thing that looks like that's an obstacle, Hashem says, well, that's really a source of blessing. But in order for you to find that blessing, you've got to jump in. You have to tr- jump in, we don't see any way out. There was a, um, this week, Thursday night, is Yud Shvat, the Rebbe's anniversary, the Rebbe, Rebbe came, Rebbe, I'm going to share with you an amazing story about this, this theme. Um, it's a Jew who, from Morocco originally, and he moved to Cholon and, and moved to the northern part of Israel. You, it's a long story, I'll tell you part of the story. His name is Yehuda ben Shoshan. Yehuda ben Shoshan, he uh, had a, many, many years of marriage through Bracha the Rebbe. He had a daughter, one child. And when she turned 10 or 11, she had a, uh, discovered a growth in her head. And uh, it turned out that it was, it was developed and, and they didn't know what to do really. In the doctors in Israel, they decided to send her to to Boston. They sent her to Boston, and the doctors examined her. The doctors say that there's two options here: either we could operate. If we operate, and the operation is successful, then she'll be okay. But it's uh, chances are that she won't. There's a good chance she won't survive the operation. If we don't do anything, she has six months. So what do you guys want to do? Six months she could live. Or we could try. So, they, so they're in New York. They're in New Boston already. So Yudem and Shoshan realizes, and not so far from New York, he goes to visit the Rebbe. Comes to the Rebbe's room for a private audience, 
and he's and he can't talk, he just starts crying. And it's Adar. He's crying in the Rebbe's room. And the Rebbe says to him, It's the month of Adar. It's supposed to be Besimcha and Adar. It's supposed to be joyous in the month, month of Adar. You're bringing sadness into, into the room? So he thought the Rebbe was like making a joke with him. He's like, Rebbe, I'm talking about my child's life. I need, I need a brach for my child's life. What's, what, what do you mean? What, 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 what am I uh, bringing sadness into the room? Are you kidding? So the Rebbe says, the Rebbe makes with his hands, moves with his hands, and he says, and Adar, the theme of Adar is that everything was transformed for good. So everything will be, trans- everything will be transformed for good. Okay, that's what the Rebbe says. He goes out of the Rebbe's room, and he remembers, doesn't have the answer to this question. Should they do the operation or not? So he writes a letter to the Rebbe. What should we do? Should we do the operation or shouldn't do the operation? So the Rebbe responded, I already answered you in the room. Mm-hmm. But the Rebbe didn't say clearly what to do. Just said, so he says, writes a letter back to the Rebbe. He says, if you're referring to, I know, I know you said things will be transformed for good, but I want a clear answer. The Rebbe responded, if you're specifically asking, then you should ask a third doctor. There was a price, in other words, from him being, from him, for him not being able to, to have that trust in what the Rebbe said. And I said, if you're really asking, and he was really asking, so they ask a third doctor. They asked a third doctor. The third doctor said they should operate. They operated. And as they're operating, they discover that the whole thing is gone. The whole growth is gone. The whole cancerous growth that had reached the brain is gone. And, but unfortunately, when they finished the operation, she was no longer able to talk. The girl couldn't talk. She couldn't talk, and she was having a hard time with her memory. And uh, she woke up from the operation, and that, that's what happened. Now, he had stayed, the family had stayed in New York for Pesach, in Borough Park. And they come to the, they decide they're going to go visit the Rebbe for the, the Mashiach Suda, Achan Shal Pesach. And he, he walked over from Borough Park to Karnayit to Mashiach Suda at the end of Pesach. He comes to 770, and, and by the Febrengen, the Rebbe calls him over. The Rebbe says to him that Matzah, the Zohar says, Matzah is called food of faith, and Matzah is also called food of healing. So the Rebbe says, this is food of faith for you, and give you faith. This is food of healing for your uh, daughter that she should get better. And then the Rebbe said, it's not her fault that you don't have Vitachim. <laughs> it's a similar story, true story. I saw actually also Machkin is in town, Langazant. I think it was when he was being born. His father uh, came by the Rebbe, asking for a bracha, parents Machkin. And yeah, it, it, it was a pretty crazy thing. Um, so, and actually, I'm sure if it was mother, it was maybe Peretz Mushkin's sister. Either way, Peretz Mushkin came by the Rebbe my brain asking for a bracha for something, for someone who was very sick in his family. I'm not sure who it was. And the Rebbe said they would give a bracha. But they got a message during the Fabrenga that things were really, really scary. So he went back to the Rebbe. The Rebbe pulled his hat all the way down to his eyes. The Rebbe pulled a Peretz's hat down to his eyes. The Rebbe said to him, It's not her fault that you don't have any trust in me. Anyway, that's a similar thing I ever told this guy. Fine. After the Febrengen is over, after Pesach is over, the Rebbe will give out wine, Keshel Bracha. Wine from his cup for after benching. Wine of benching is, is considered a wine of, of, uh, of a Bracha. So uh, the Rebbe will give out wine to everyone, and he came by. 
Then they were sitting like this. We're now in the month of Nisan. Nisan is a month of faith, and Iyar is a month of healing. So first there is the faith, then there is a healing. But as I mentioned, in Adar, Adar is a month of transformation, so things could be turned around. So we could have the healing before the faith. Usually this order is that faith comes before the healing. If they trust in Hashem, and they get healed. But we could switch it around, grab the healing first. Healing before the faith. And uh, so, so in other words, we'll first have the good news, and then afterwards it's easy to have faith, right? Once you see the good news, Baruch Hashem. So there we give him that bracha, and his daughter got better, Baruch Hashem, and she was able to talk. And uh, automatically this faith was uh, strengthened. So similarly, Hashem doesn't have to wait for us to uh, have faith. He's able to give us the brachas in advance and to strengthen our faith, give us the healing and, and strengthen our, our trust in Hashem in advance. It says about Yirmiya, time of the end of the time of the, right before the destruction of the temple, people were having a very hard time of, in Parnassah in earning their livelihood, and they came to the prophet Yirmiya, what should we do? And Yirmiya asked the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, please bring me the man. God had said, when, he, when, the, when the, the man had come down, God said we should put some man away and put it in the base of Mikdash. So Yirmiya asked the Kohen Gadol, bring this man out, to bring it out. He brought it out, and he told the Jewish people, similar to the way that Tzimach Tzedek said it, he told the Jewish people, listen guys, God has, has this thing for us. He, this is how he fed the Jewish people in the desert. Trust him, things are going to be okay. That's the way it is.